Do you feel the calling to help the world heal in these times of uncertainty from violence and trauma using powerful spiritual tools combined with action? Do you want to shift your personal and our collective destiny lines from war, oppression, and genocide into peace? If so, I warmly welcome you here today. This is Destiny Lines, Sacred Activism for Peacemaking and Ending Violence. My name is Rachel Mann, Ph.D. I am a sacred activist, social scientist, shamanic healer, and spiritual mentor. Come learn from my stories, experiences, and research, as well as from those of visionary thought leaders who are working on the spiritual frontiers of sacred activism to end violence. I invite you to step up with me into this extremely important work. Find out how it is part of the fulfillment of your unique mission and purpose in life. Let's go. There's no time to lose. Welcome, everybody, to my podcast. There is no time more important than now to offer reflections on peacemaking and ending violence than in the wake of Hamas' attack on Israel and the Israeli government's siege on Palestinians. It has taken me some time to formulate my thoughts about this current disaster and also to do enough research that I can speak with some confidence knowing that in doing so, I might be vilified, attacked by those who may think that I am condemning Israel or Palestinians. All I can say is that I am offering my thoughts based upon what I admit is I could have more deep expertise. As an academic, of course, I know you can always have more deep expertise. But I'm calling this podcast Making Prayers for Peace Real for Israel, Hamas, and the world. And I think you will understand why when I get to the end of this. So the question I start with is, what do we pray for as we watch this conflict unfold? particularly? on top of the Russian invasion of genocide of Ukraine and the genocide, the ongoing genocide of the Ukrainian people. So I'm going to add these caveats. I do not condemn the creation of Israel. I am not here to offer any advice about the establishment of two or three states, or um, I think Israel exists, it has existed. And it seems that there needs to be some other, some creative solution 
whereby all those who consider these lands to be their ancestral homes, to be a place of safety for themselves, can find such resolution. I do not scapegoat or condemn Jews, whether in Israel or around the world, but I also do not condemn Palestinians. Given that all of my work is trauma-informed, both personally as well as collectively and intergenerationally, I see everyone suffering from the point of view of an intergenerational cycle of harm that has been running, going on in Israel with Palestine in this area of the world for well nigh on 75 years and more. I believe prejudice in any form is wrong. Anti-Semitism is wrong. And prejudice of, against Muslims is wrong. And violence against any people with these identities, these national um, affiliations, these religious affiliations is wrong, period. First, let me say my heart weeps for my Jewish friends in the wake of the Hamas attack and for all they and their ancestors have endured for all Jewish people. My heart also weeps for Palestinians. Compassion is merited for all concerned. So, as I said just before, I, I admit that when Hamas first attacked Israel, I was in a bit of a quandary about what to say beyond, of course, my heartfelt grief and shock at Hamas' brutal attack on innocent Israeli citizens and how they took hostages, including children and the elderly. Yes, how utterly, completely horrible. There is no world in which I, we can say more than this. I hold in my mind and heart how with the wounds of the Holocaust that ever weigh heavily on Jews around the world, on their allies, this attack has been felt incredibly deeply. I do not want to ever undervalue or seem to brush off the the great horror of what the Nazis did in Germany and Europe. In the immediate wake of the Hamas attack, Netanyahu and his advisors decided to shut off water, food, and fuel, and demand that a million Palestinians leave their homes and migrate to the north, where there is literally no place for them to go, particularly with the borders to Egypt and Lebanon closed. Then, with only a few weeks' notice, they launched a potentially more brutal attack on Gaza and innocent Palestinians in the, their wake in a misguided attempt to rout out Hamas and its operatives. Now, let me say more about this. So, first, the facts. 
in addition to Israeli lives lost and injured, as of today, 6,000-plus innocent Palestinians have been killed and 15,000-plus Palestinians have been injured. To frame this uneven response to the brutal actions of Hamas, we know for certain in the wake of this, these events that the majority of Palestinians do not support Hamas and had nothing to do with the attack on Israel. Indeed, they have been at the mercy of a fanatically religious and authoritarian leadership. Under dictatorship, people always suffer tremendously, emotionally, psychologically, physically. Their well-being and safety is continually undermined and at risk. I know this from spending time with Russian friends in Moscow during the Cold War. I have felt it, and I have known it. And paradoxically, Netanyahu's actions will also put more Israeli and other Middle Eastern lives, Palestinian and other potentially Middle Eastern lives at risk. Looking at the Israeli government's response to the Hamas attack, and knowing that many, many citizens of that nation and Jews around the world do not support what he is doing, we can categorically say that this violence undertaken by a known corrupt authoritarian dictator is not arising from any moral inner authority. There is no humanity in what Netanyahu's and his cronies are doing, though it is an understandable fight response in terms of the parasympathetic nervous system to attack. But to take away the waters of life, to induce starvation and render innocent Palestinians unable to put fuel in their vehicles needed to administer emergency services and to flee in the wake of violent attacks is really unconscionable. It is like the way I feel it in myself energetically. It's like the, the rage has created this, has obliterated compassion and morality when there are could have been, and hopefully will be, other more measured solutions to the problem of Hamas and to their attack. So, even as we condemn Hamas' attack three weeks ago, and as well as Russia's attacks on the electric and water infrastructure in Ukraine as a moral so we must similarly call out the terrible cycles of violence, particularly given what may be some members of the Israeli government's opportunistic use of the murder of Israeli citizens to drive Palestinians out of Gaza so as to finally take it over. Greed and power as much as shock 
and fear seem to be paired motivations in some part conscious, in some part unconscious. Because please understand, I do understand the unconsciousness that overtakes people when they are attacked. It is like a brain fog, and it is a red rage that can take over. I've been there myself. I do understand that due to the horror of the Holocaust, the culmination of hundreds of years and more of oppression of the Jewish people, there was after World War II a moral imperative to support them in having a place of their own where they could have safety. In that regard, it was a decision made out of compassion and solidarity, though it was paired with geopolitical motives and drives that were perhaps not completely altruistic. There was still the movement of colonialism on the part of Europe and the United States. Yet the mass incarceration and murder of Jews in those years was a powerful mirror to the whole world about the absolute wrong of genocide of any people. The collective will to attempt to repair the wrong in the creation of a Jewish state is to be valued. And for better or worse, the Holocaust created a global awareness of the moral wrong of any nation, any group, attempting or wholly succeeding in wiping out, alienating, and subjugating any group or nation. What has happened since then is that no one who attempts to do these things is immune to being called out by the global community and by interference in their affairs. All are called to accounts. As we have seen since the 1948 annexation of the Palestinian homeland to build an Israeli na nation, that area of the world already for centuries before a hot bit of conflict, there have been unending cycles of violence. Since the establishment of Israel, there has also been an unfortunate policy of segregating, isolating, and attacking Palestinians and taking their lands established with treaties that were made in the 1940s and 50s. And no doubt there has been violence on both sides. In this morass since the 20th century, it is true as well that Palestinians have suffered even as Israelis have suffered. Here we see how the unhealed wounds of genocide, oppression, and war have created a miasma of pain in that region of the world that repeats and repeats and repeats. And where there are untransmuted wounds, there is always a liability for more violence to continue. Everyone is a victim as the cycle of cycles of perpetration continue. So as we witness what is happening in Israel and Palestine, with stability in the Middle East and the world at such 
high risk in the present moment. Let us pray first for a ceasefire. Second, let us pray that the ultimate outcome, also due to Russia's brutal invasion and genocide in Ukraine, will be that humanity finally sees how violence is futile, how the will to have more and more land, power, territory, and people to subjugate is utterly dysfunctional and wrong, and how genocide under any guise is a moral horror never to be undertaken again and always to be prevented or stopped through creative diplomacy and new and perhaps unheard of creative solutions. Let us also pray that as we move through this perilous time in human history, we emerge, we human beings emerge better, more compassionate and kind, more focused on new ways to resolve conflict beyond and instead of the continual production of weapons of war and mass suicide and annihilation. And for those of you who listen to this podcast, from the point of view that I am a spiritually motivated teacher and thought leader, let me just say this. It has taken some courage for me to to say these words because it is absolutely, I have always felt deeply to my bones ever since I was a child and first learned about the Holocaust. I have always held this incredible sense of of just, I don't even know how to put words to it. It galvanized me because I understood from empathy how incredibly, incredibly terrible, horrible was what the Nazis did to the Jews to Roman Catholics, to homosexuals, and to their enemies that they put into concentration camps. Of the Jews piled into cattle cars and, you know, some of them gassed. Um, The terrible loss of life of families, of the dislocation. This is a place that, this this is a space that has lived within me. All these 60-some decades of my life. And the imperative spiritually, in the sense the imperative to, to be able to hold this center point of compassion, and of love 
is also a motivating force for me. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I'm not always there, but it is a motivational force. It is like a rudder, right? To right my ship. And I also think that from the point of view, if we look at this from the point of view of the eagle, which shamanically is considered to be the closest to the eyes of spirit of the creation of creator, we have to see the bigger view and where the embedded unhealed wounds the patterns of, of leading to patterns of cycles, unending cycles of perpetration and victimization. And the imperative is not also, for me, is to not be a passive bystander, to have the courage to say, to call out the, the wrong of attacking violently the sovereignty of another nation or group, to call it out in the historical record, to call it out in the present, and to call it out for the future, and to contribute, to continue to contribute to building that great destiny line to a new pathway for humanity, seven generations into the future and beyond. So. By doing this particular podcast today, I'm standing in that place of honoring the pain of everyone concerned and of honoring the complexities historically, the complexities geopolitically, and the complexities psychologically. These questions these issues cannot be answered simply. There are no simple answers. There are no simple solutions. But we can allow ourselves to weep for the lives lost, past and present and future, and to pray for a deep, change in our world. I pray here for both Israelis and Palestinians. May all be healed and whole. May all of us be freed and liberated. May all of us be safe. May all of us be nurtured, well-fed. May our families have roofs over their heads. May all be well. May it be so. Aho, wado. Thank you for joining me, Rachel Mann, PhD, your host of this powerful podcast series, Destiny Lines, Sacred Activism for Peacemaking and Ending Violence. 
I hope you have been inspired into manifesting your dream for yourself personally or for or within your organization to dream forth a world of compassion, love, and peace. If you would like to find out more about me and my work, you may go to my website at rachelmanphd.com or email me at rachelmanphd at gmail.com. I offer individual energy healing sessions, a three-month mentoring program for individuals wishing to magnetize their sacred service to the world, as well as programs, retreats, and classes for individuals and organizations who are inspired by the mission of sacred activism for peacemaking and ending violence. I look forward to you joining me and to hearing from you. Let's get started. There's no time to lose.